How many times must I tell you? Until there are clouds in the sky and there is green on the land. We can stop only when there is life on this planet. And we are going to make this a beautiful place. I've been waiting for you all be one. We meet again at last. This is Waiting for Obi, a Star Wars podcast. Well, I hope it doesn't take too long. I have work to do. Join us as we explore the stories told in a galaxy far, far away, providing narrative context and reactions to Star Wars on Disney Plus and beyond. Hello there. And now, Waiting for Obi, with your hosts, Jason and Kim. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Waiting for Obi. Hi, everybody. I don't know why we're whispering. I don't either. Dramatic effect. Um, today, we're going to talk about the episode uh, T.O.B. 1. Or 2.B. 1. Or Toby. Or Toby. Yeah, there's a lot of ways this could go. I don't know which is correct. Uh, this, is produced by, this is produced by Science Saru. Or Science S-A-R-U. Hmm, okay. I'm not I'm sure. Not, yeah. Um, they are a relatively newer studio. They were founded in 2013. Um, I'm personally oh, not okay. familiar with any of their work. Uh, they did create two shorts. They created this one, and they also created a, ka- a Kakiri, which is the ninth episode. So we haven't gotten to that one yet. Um, just are they this- the only studio to do two? Uh, no, there were seven studios and nine episodes. So I think eight and oh, nine. Oh, so somebody else did Yeah, two. there's another repeat we'll discover along the way. Um, but yeah, I mean... I think this was, uh, well, we both have opinions on this and, uh, I think they're, they're, they're a little mixed, but I think there's a lot of cool stuff to pull from this particular episode, the way it was, uh, designed and framed and its inspiration and kind of the multiple meanings that it has. So, uh, we'll get into that in a little bit, but yeah. I, I know Kim likes to talk about these voice actors. So there's not as many as this time around. Um, well, that's not fair. They're all ta- like otherwise, you know, there are tons of people in the voiceover industry and I clearly do not know all of them. So the only ones that jumped out at me this time is the main character, uh, Toby, 2B1, T-O-B-1, however you would like to say it, uh, is Jaden Waldman, who has, it's, it's who's actually a, ki- a younger kid, uh, maybe teenage-ish. I can't tell anymore. Once you get a certain age, everyone looks like they're 12 or under and I just, I don't know how old he is. But he, uh, the acting credits that I saw that pro- most people may connect with is the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, oh, which is an Amazon Prime series. Is he one of the the kids? I'm I think so. That's cool. But he's growing up off a, qu- a lot quicker than that. Love <laughs> that show. Um, and then Mataka in this is Kyle Chandler, who's he's kind of one of those actors that you're like, oh yeah, I've seen him in stuff. So you, you almost got to kind of go over to IMDb and look him up and then go, oh, yeah, I've seen him and stuff. So he's done most recently like Godzilla versus King Kong, uh, another Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Like there was just several things that I saw where he he's always I think he was in Game Night. So he's never I don't think he's ever the lead. He's usually a supporting character. Sure. But he's also done voice work for Family Guy, Robot Chicken, American Dad, stuff like nice. that. So um, nothing not not nothing too huge and standing out this time around but i always like to give him a little props i like i think voice acting is such a cool job yeah on um, these guys are really really doing a good job especially since you know this was originally produced in japan they had to create a really believable uh dub uh english dub of these so these mm-hmm. the english 
the the non-anime watching audience can really absorb these and and still make sense because sometimes you get some pretty rough translations and i don't think i felt that yet with these i've not felt yeah like i have to watch these in japanese which i do feel like that about a lot of anime i think the one the one i think maybe the closest to having an issue is the twins Mm. i felt like that one got a little lost in translation somewhere sure it just felt real stiff but uh i don't think we can say much more about this episode until we tell them that we're talking about this episode (gasps) spoilers 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 we're gonna talk about this adorable episode uh oh that may be even a little bit of a spoiler anyway uh if you haven't watched it yet then hey this is your warning because on this podcast we talk about the stuff that we watched if you haven't figured that out yet um so we're gonna talk about it and so this is your last chance to pause or come along for the ride and of course as always here at waiting forever we'd like to talk about narrative context and the way these episodes uh, and anything you know, that we talk about fits within the larger star wars galaxy and as we've also talked about star wars visions is very much uh canon adjacent not necessarily beholden um beholden to star wars but not necessarily beholden um star wars is not necessarily beholden to it i guess is the way we'd like to put it um that there's just a lot of Star Wars inspiration to make these things feel Star Warsy uh, without really impacting the Star Wars stories that we're familiar with. I think mm-hmm. that made sense. I'm not 100 percent sure, um, but if you want to look at like a timeline context, this really episode really doesn't have a whole lot. I mean, clearly it has to happen sometime after um, the Jedi Purge. Uh, this could yeah. potentially happen in the same era as the previous short, The Ninth Jedi, in this era of like, you know. Jedi hunters who are trying to make sure there are no good force users left in the galaxy. I don't know. It, it doesn't really matter, honestly. I just think it's it's kind of fun to think about. This is another one, kind of like um, I know we kind of make fun of the twins being such a kind of crazy episode, but honestly, this one has a lot of kind of similar ideas in terms of like it's borrowing from a lot of Star Wars tropes without necessarily um, being star wars is star wars inspired not star wars authentic I yeah think, is the phrase we used before yeah i think there's a lot of comment Th- this one took a little bit of a got beat up a little bit over on imdb with comments and stuff that but a lot of them were this isn't related to star that they felt a disconnect to star wars yeah with this one yeah and that's 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 kind of fair in a way um so so getting into the show itself uh but there's a couple ways we can look at this. So clearly, um, if you have any sort of uh, knowledge about the history of anime or you know, the, the genesis of Japanese, the Japanese animation style, um, you'll be familiar with the uh, series called Astro Boy, uh, mm-hmm. which was actually, I'm even familiar with Astro Boy. Yeah, yeah. I'm not that into. Um, it did have a it did have a U.S. release. It's probably the most like it's probably the closest thing Japan had to like like a like a hanna-barbera style animation mm-hmm. but it's also one of the first shows that started defining what like the japanese animation style was going to look like uh so there's a big history with astro boy um this idea of uh you know in in a nutshell the scientist lost his son uh in a car accident so created this robot to replace him and that robot was astro boy uh if you look at the artwork of astro boy and you look at the artwork of tov1 um, you can tell there was definitely some clear inspiration for um, sure. The yeah. the style of the characters, the way they were drawn, feels very less like current 
mainstream anime and feels much mm-hmm. more like the 60s and 70s style of anime um cuz mm-hmm. it does have a little that that's when i think like american style animation and japanese style animation were a little more similar in their in the way they draw their characters oh yeah i could see that i saw an interesting comparison too this is no doubtedly inspired by astro boy but from a a storyline type idea of you know the creator lost his son someone also compared it to pinocchio mm, very true yeah i want to be a real boy mm-hmm. and astro yeah boy, as, you know, and that's very much what um and astro boy yeah. may have also been you know developed on that idea so i think we have to first we have to first start with the main character's name um clearly from a star wars perspective this character is a droid Whose designation oh, is for sure. yeah. 2TO-B1. Um, now, when I just see it written, and you kind of know what the storyline is going to be, like you think 2B1, like I want to be a Jedi. I want to mm-hmm. be one of those. Um, Which but, is totally what, yeah, because that's what his dream is. But the, every time uh, the, the scientist whose name we taught Mitaka, the scientist said his name, I couldn't get the like... T Obi Wan out of my head. Like there's definitely a, a clear reference to Obi Wan, like Obi Wan Kenobi. Nice. Which I thought was kind of nice. Um and at the very end of the episode he does call him Toby, which T O B I, which you could see also written out um T O B one. Um which is also a nice nod because Toby is the name of the son in Astro Boy who died in the car accident. Oh so there's a there's a you know almost a direct connection to that franchise. That's um, cool. And it's kind of a I cool didn't realize that. it's a nice Easter egg, I think. Um whether it's intentional or not. Um I don't know. But I like I, I kinda like that that aspect of it. Um that the name has so many kind of ways you can read as to why it was named that way. So the story itself, I know. I'm, it's so my quick. mind is blown. All right, there you go. You're welcome. That's what I come up with at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> This show is sponsored in part by the Chance Cube Trading Card Services, providing appraisal, grading, and consignment services for your non-sports trading card collections at little to no upfront cost to you. Visit facebook.com slash thechancecube to find out more. And Tabletop Rebellion, creating fun reviews and playthroughs of new and favorite board games as they strive to bring people together one game at a time. Be sure to check them out on YouTube at youtube.com slash tabletoprebellion. So the story, I mean, the story is very basic. Uh, in, in a way, uh, this, this droid wants to become a Jedi. He, he, for whatever reason, whatever way he's programmed. And I think we kind of find out why he may be programmed this way towards the end. Um, mm-hmm. but he desires, he wants to, he plays Jedi with all the other droids. He's the only like protocol type droid, I guess. Like all the others just beep and boop and he like can speak. Right. Yeah. Um, oddly flexible for a droid, I have to say, but whatever. Um, and we also find that Mitaka is on this planet. Like two of them are only are on this planet by themselves. All the other droids here to try and create life. The planet yeah, is kind of terraforming the planet. Yeah, that's a good word. That's a great word. It's a very Star Trek word. <laughs> terraforming. Combine the two where I can. Uh, it's also because terraforming Mars is somewhere on one of these game shelves. Over uh. <laughs> um, but that's kind of his mission is to bring this this life force to the planet, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. And, uh, and initially this, the story is a little fast. I think that's my biggest complaint with the episodes. Mm, it feels like that. 
it feels like it was a 30 minute idea that he had to cram into 15. Um, but he goes from like playing Jedi with the other, uh, droids. Uh, he dreams of, instead of working on the, the maths to create the rainstorm or whatever it is that, you know, to terraform this planet, he's drawing pictures of, um, X wings and TIE fighters and yeah, Jedi saving true. the world. And, um, you know, very cool idea. And he actually, his daydreams actually personify himself as a boy, which, uh, he almost looks more like Astro Boy when he does that than in you know, his droid, um, his mm-hmm. actual droid persona. Uh, but very quickly, uh, Mitaka says, well, if you want to be a Jedi, you have to find a kyber crystal, and there's one on this planet somewhere. Like, I kind of feel like, was that also a way to get him out of his hair while he did his work? <laughs> yeah, it's like, go find the thing you'll never be able to find. Okay, Dad. I felt, I felt a very parent, like, go play, go try to find this thing. I know you're like, just go occupy yourself for a few minutes. Yeah. And he does. I mean, that's the funny thing. Like, he goes and he looks, but he just, like, looks, right? Clearly, this is, like, a trial of some kind. Oh, yeah. Um, is it under like, the thing? Yeah. Is it under this rock? Is it behind this tree? Like, <laughs> okay. cutesy. Okay, that's funny, I guess. Um, and he takes his little, like, his best droid friend, uh, CO3, right? I think so. CO3. They're very, like, you know. I'm sure that's a little C-3PO inspired, but I like that's kind of neat. So him, uh, Toby and CO3 just go wandering around looking for this kyber crystal. Uh, Ultimately, he decides that the only place he hasn't looked is this basement where he's not supposed to go. He's not supposed to go to the basement. It's very clear. (laughs) Very uh, Beating the Beast West Wing. Like, don't go into the basement. Okay. Whatever you say. And what is when you the, get tied up in there? Yeah. And what's in the basement? And this is kind of where the those um, a new hope vibes start coming back in. We get this uh, as you know, sky uh, skyhopper. You know, Ooh, the, I know things about this. You normally know all the context. I know things about this. It is a T sixteen skyhopper. T sixteen, very good. And you can see the ship in the background in the Lars family garage in Star Wars: A New Hope. <laughs> in Star Wars, <laughs> you can see it in Star Wars, like. <laughs> But it's in the garage. It's in a new hope. It's in the garage. Yeah, this was um, garage. I use like, you know, quote unquote. uh, This is I didn't know that exactly. IMDb told me. Oh, it's all good. Yeah, the T-16 Skyhopper is something we've seen a lot in like ship based video games. Like you see, um, Mm -hmm. this is also the, you know, when, um, you know, a new hope when Luke looks to Wedge and like, hey, I shot Womp Rats and my T-16 back home. This is the T-16 he's talking about. This is the, this is that ship. Um, so it's, this is where like all those like Tatooine Luke vibes come back in. Um, Toby sits in the, in the cockpit and is like, Hey, all the Jedi out there. Like if you're out there, come find me. Of course. <laughs> Cause he just thinks he's playing and like he doesn't realize that this is operational. Yeah. Until right. We, he just thinks he's treating it like a toy. We cut to a Star Destroyer and there's a Jedi killer and. He's like, oh, look, a dude. Let's go get him. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like, where's this signal coming from? Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, Mitaka finds Toby uh, in the Skyhopper and says, hey, what you doing up there? Uh, realizing that he somehow the Jedi Hunters have found him, which is which is where we find. Uh, so, Mitaka kind of hides Toby behind a, oh, a yeah. rock. Um Gives him like parts of a lightsaber, which is kind of cool because we know that the lightsaber, like, he needs to find the crystal to make a lightsaber. That was the whole point of his journey. He hasn't found the crystal yet. Uh, but now Mitaka has to save him. Uh, so Mitaka faces these Jedi hunters and we find that Mitaka himself is very much 
a force wielder of sorts. Oh yeah. Very much probably an old, an old Jedi. Um, and, uh, you know, it takes Being a hermit and a hermit, you know, very, very Obi-Wan like, uh, in his, in, in what he's doing, but he, uh, he saves Toby. Toby ultimately comes, you know, comes to, he, he's either reactivated or, or whatever. Uh, and then finds that Mitaka has unfortunately passed away. Um, mm-hmm. most likely killed by the Jedi hunter. And now Toby, uh, has kind of found a new purpose in life, uh, to finish Mitaka's work to bring life to this planet. Yeah. He very much feels inspired. Like, you know, he did this for me. I need to, I need to do this for him. Yep. Kind of very much. Uh, ultimately they're successful. Like they were able to create, they were able to grow. Now we don't know how much time has passed. These are all droids. So clearly it could be any it number. It felt of like it to me, I guess maybe the way that they kind of did a segue with that is I felt like there was some time that passed yep. because he's a droid. So he's not going to age or anything like that, but he had to, he was doing a lot of calculations and, and that kind of stuff. So to me, it felt like, a passage of time with sure. with that sort of montage, and so, so it's like he finds his purpose. He creates his purpose. He he ultimately gets the rain to fall on the grass, and the you know little plant life is growing, um, and that's enough to. It's, it's kind of like a Wally moment in a way. It's like, oh, we found yeah, totally. Every everything is going to be great, and like this kyber crystal comes out from like inside him. Um. Almost. The force was in you. Sorry, right. that is very much a Spaceballs quote. <laughs> it's yeah, um, but at the same time, the Jedi hunters back on the planet say, "Hey, there, you know, there's someone else here." Because um, they must be able to feel or pick up or something. Yeah, uh, it was enough. It was enough to to get them to head to the planet. And now, so now Toby's got this crystal, puts together a lightsaber. Um, and this is like this is it gets really weird from here. I think it's just like this yeah. whole like, you know, Toby gets these visions from Mitaka, um, which is very much like a you know, Obi visiting Luke kind of thing on Force Dagobah. Ghost kind of thing. Yep. Um, uh, ultimately killing this um, Jedi hunter. Uh, of course, not until not until this like clever CO three just jumps on his back and creates some sort of rocket thing that was so wild. I had to giggle <laughs> when that happened. Um, but yeah, you know, saves a Jedi hunter and then decides uh, he's going to pick up his life's work and uh, talk his life's work and create life on other planets. So very, um, I- I'm not really sure what you're supposed to take out of this, but I, I, I thought it was cute. It was cute. I, I feel like that's the word I keep going. Um, I feel like that's the word that I keep going back to on this one. And I feel I'm like, I need more descriptive. I need more adjectives than just cute but that's really the overarching vibe like this one was just it wasn't it wasn't super deep like you said it it did kind of it went by really fast so there really wasn't much time to get other some of these other stories did a better job now some of them were a little bit longer too some of them did a better job of locking me into a, a character story this one though i do still feel like that you're trying to they're trying to get you to build that connection with the with toby um but i i liked it i didn't hate it it's it's not on the bottom of my list no it's not on the bottom of mine either it's it's somewhere on either side of the the tattooing rhapsody for me um probably maybe maybe i like this one a little bit better than tattooing rhapsody but it had that kind of like this story may not be that important but it's fun 
maybe that's a good way to put it. Like it doesn't, it just, there's not a lot of depth there. Maybe I'm looking at it from the wrong angle. Um, I mean, I think you can analyze this and get more depth if you really try. I think think there is depth. I think it is masked by the style. That's fair. And, uh, and the speed of the storytelling is, is hard. That's yeah. I think that's, I think those are the two fair points of it. Um, Because, you know, Tatooine Rhapsody was also fun and it wasn't very deep, but the story was very concise and it, and it, it didn't feel fast. Whereas this one, I think it had the potential to be more, but because the story was told quickly, it was a bit of a challenge to, mm-hmm. to kind of feel, like you said, feel very invested in it because you, to be invested in a character does take time. Yeah. And if you're trying to get too deep in 15 minutes, uh, or add too many aspects. Now, I think this is aided by the fact that a lot of the things where they tried to go deep or were things they borrowed from Star Wars. So if you looked at this episode in the context of what these things mean in other aspects of Star Wars, then sure. Uh, but because this sense. is this is a removed enough from Star like from like the main Star Wars kind of concept, it's hard to make those connections like on the surface. You're asking more yeah. questions than you are like being invested, I think. I saw some people commenting like, well, I think this one's for the kids. And I don't know that I fully agree. I don't know that any of these were designed quote unquote for the kids. Right. And I think that is that statement is more based on someone getting that vibe from the animation style than from the story. This I, I, this may have been more of a nostalgia play than anything else. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know whether it was successful or not. I mean, you know, it's your your opinion, my opinion versus the rest of the world. Oh, sure. Um, and I don't have I don't you know I don't have a lot of nostalgia with Astro Boy. I don't have a lot of nostalgia mm-hmm. with the style of animation. So. I don't know if this is targeting an, a different audience or an older audience or a more anime-invested audience. Or that's fair. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting. I could see I that if love- I was if I was someone highly invested in Astro Boy, I may feel very differently about this episode. And I would love to have that conversation with someone. I mean, I know that would be near impossible, but to have that conversation with someone, Lucasfilm, who helped produce these, to say what, mm, yeah, what was the, you know, was there any sort of guidelines, or did you just say go? You know, I imagine they had to have some sort of guidelines for each of these studios, so they didn't have nine of the same thing. But, yeah, hmm, that know. would be interesting. It'd be an interesting conversation to have. Give me a behind the scenes Disney Plus. There you go. Behind the scenes of Star Wars Visions. Anyways, uh, not my, my favorite, but uh, certainly not the bottom of the list. So, yeah, I would agree. This one was fine. But if you have any thoughts on this episode you'd like to share with us, please feel free to drop us an email at contact at waitingforobi.com or Find us on Facebook, where we will happily talk to you over and over again through Messenger at Waiting for Which is in comments, wherever. Wherever. And come back next time for our thoughts and opinions on the next episode of Star Wars Visions. We've almost seen them all. We've almost seen them all. we got three more left, and then uh, then hey, shoot, Book of Fett will be right behind us. Yeah. Coming soon. Uh, well, we'll see y'all again next time. You have been listening to Waiting for Obi, presented by The Chance Cube. Thank you for spending time with us today. We hope you join us again. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash waitingforobi. Until next time, may the Force be with you.
This program is a Rogue One, not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company.